Let's read the word of the Lord and uh, begin. Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail the test. But I trust that you will realize that we ourselves do not fail the test. Father, help us to have ears to hear the challenge that the Apostle Paul gave to the believers in Corinth. Father, is the challenge to the believers in Castle Rock. Help us to see if we are of the faith. Let us examine ourselves and let us be overwhelmed with the privilege of knowing that Jesus Christ is in each of us. To you, my King and Savior. Amen. We are actually in a section that started in verse 20 of chapter 12, and it's the process of sanctification. What are we dealing with? And we come to one that is kind of crucial. Are you genuine? Are you genuine? I would say for the years that I have been serving my king, I don't know that I've ever heard that asked. From any pulpit or Bible study or anything like that, they assume that if you have a Bible or if you're in a church building or in a Bible study, then you're saved. And here Paul is challenging a church that he founded to check and see if they are saved. I have shown you that the call to be genuine, the call to be genuine, we already looked at that first part of verse 5, is to test it. We, we looked at, at death, at six warnings in the letter to the Hebrews, people who were in church, people who had prof- made a profession, but were shrinking back because of the persecution that would come against a Jew for believing in Jesus Christ. I, I received this email, and I'd like to share it with you. It kind of fits this topic. It's called, Be Still. Isaiah 30, verse 15 In returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. Then it goes on to say this. Psychologists are warning we're losing some basic skills of our life by our reliance on mobile devices. People no longer add or subtract. They use calculators on their phones. We no longer type or keyboard. We punch icons with our thumbs. We don't worry about memorizing anything. Our devices have become our brains. We don't think as much because we plug in our earphones and listen to the podcasts and music. Those may be valid concerns, but they pale besides the danger of losing the basic skill of walking with God. For all of our electronics, nothing can replace the simple art of meditation and prayer of faith and trust of quietness and confidence. As we contemplate God's law and manifest His holiness, we preserve the character of His creation. We prevent the deterioration of the human society and we preserve our culture from moral collapse. No matter how modern our world, the time-tested habits of prayer, meditation, faith, trust, and obedience will never be replaced. The 21st century needs salt and light as much as the 1st century. Even more so. So keep your phone, but unplug it long enough to be still and know that He is God. A quote by William Law. If you have not chosen the kingdom of God first, it will in the end make no difference 
what you have chosen instead, unquote. We are in a, a strange time, but it's a pattern that I can see throughout history. And when I think about it, it, it is a gradual deterioration of what the church is. You, you have to remember, the original strongest church was in Israel. And then it went forth under persecution and went into Europe, the, what they call the Macedonian call. And it was through Greece and then into other parts of Europe that the gospel went forward by dedicated men and women. It went to the east, the far east. And the thing is, is that every time you see it happen like this, eventually there is a watering down. And as the watering down is becomes replaced by works. I mean, sacraments, you can call it whatever you want to call it, but it's, it's just man's way of religion instead of God's way. I look at the United States and how it was founded. It was founded on biblical principles. And, and they're, they're, it's impressive if you watch it, but if you look at what has happened, you know, I was reading F.B. Myers. F.B. Myers written, wrote in the 50s, 1950s, and amazing stuff. And I look around us today and I look at the gibberish that is being written now. When James Boyce died, I, I, I thought, well, we're doomed. I mean, that, that guy there was a 20th century psalmist. And, 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 I, and I just, I was in awe of what he did. And yet he passed away. And, you know, then I have seen some great preachers have stepped into eternity and heard, well done, true and faithful servant. There's no doubt in my mind. And then I look at what's coming and it, it's, it's, it's discouraging. And one of the keys to it is that we have forgotten Christ in us. We don't know what that is. We don't know what that is. We are in Christ. We are new creations. And because we are in Christ, Christ is in us. And, and I, I, I look at what we do now. I was with a bunch of pastors this week, and they were all going through their phones doing their daily devotionals. And, and they, they said, well, do you have... And I said, no, nah, I ain't got none of that on my phone. <laughs> they said, well, yeah, but you got a smartphone. I says, you smart aleck phone. This thing doesn't really help me much. I still drive around and use a road atlas. Okay, and everybody <laughs> and everybody says, what is that? That's how I get from point A to point B. But I don't, I have watched people bring customers come to my house to work on their motorcycles and they will get my address on their phone and they end up in a subdivision in front of me. And they all end up there and I was like, why'd you go over there? Well, my phone, I was like, oh, you listen to any idiot electronic. Okay, because you know what? Google is not inerrant. <laughs> okay, so, um, but, but I look at this stuff and I see all of it that is going on. And, and um, I look at the Apostle Paul, this church that had broken his heart and had actually begun following false teachers who were accusing Paul of being false. 
And that's been partially straightened out. But the Apostle Paul understands that the false teachers are still in the church. They're still there. And so he calls them to task. Test yourself to see if you are of the faith. This message today is going to be more like a Bible study than just a full out. Because I want to break some myths. All right. And not here to hurt your feelings. But I am here to show you what the word of God says. What are people to look for if they want to examine themselves? Have you ever thought of that? What should I look for? What what does it look like? If I am of the faith, what does that look like? What are the marks? What are the signs of genuine saving faith? Okay, this is for every believer. And you know what? Unbelievers. I know the popular answers. All right, I went through and racked my brain to give you some of them that you will probably know. Praying a prayer. We have the sinner's prayer. If you say this prayer, you will be saved. Walking an aisle. You make a public profession, he will make a public profession before his father. Emotional experiences. That's big. How can I excite you, bring you to tears, make your hair stand up? Being baptized. I remember when I got baptized, there were several being baptized that day. And this guy was standing there with me and, and I was going first because I didn't just want to make sure I didn't run out of time. But uh, and uh, uh, the guy was looking at me and, and he says, are you nervous? I said, well, not really. And he said, all right. Uh, and he, he says, this is my fourth time. And so I just looked over at him and I thought, oh, what is the other three didn't take? <laughs> I was young in the faith. All I knew is that I needed to be baptized. And why you got to do it so many times? <laughs> so, but he thought being baptized, attending church. Is that a sign? Is that a mark of true salvation? Leading an outwardly moral life. I haven't done anything really bad. Okay, I was doing 40 in a school zone. Okay, but I haven't shot anybody. I haven't committed adultery. I haven't stolen. A little bit of coveting, but not a lot of coveting. An outwardly moral life. Or perhaps I feel guilty of my sin. That's got to be a mark of true saving faith. Doesn't it? How about knowing facts about Jesus? That's got to be true saving faith. Well, I love you guys, but none of those are authentic marks of saving faith. None of them. Nowhere in the scripture teaches of a profession of faith. Did you know that? You can't say that. Sure I can. Luke's gospel. Luke 8, verses 13 and 14. 
speaking, this is the parable of the soils. 13, on a rocky soil are those who, when they heard and received the word with joy. And these had no firm root, and they believed for a while, and time of temptation fall away. Verse 14, the seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who heard. And as they go on their way, they are choked out with worries and with riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to maturity. Okay? No profession of faith. Then baptism. Baptism has to be. No, sorry. Ephesians chapter 2. Verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Then perhaps being a part of the visible church. Well, that don't work either. Matthew's Gospel Chapter 13, verses 25 to 30. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat, and he went away. And when the wheat sprouted up and bore grain, then the tares became evident also. The slaves of the landowner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does... It have tares. And he said to them, and the enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, no, while you are gathering up the tares, you may uproot the wheat with them. Allow both to grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather up the tares, bind them in bundles to burn them up. But gather the wheat into my barn. Jesus was describing the church. Okay, verses 36 through 42 of that same, he explains it. Then he left the crowds and went to the house. And his disciples came to him and say, explain to us the parable of the tares in the field. And he said, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. And the field is the world. And as to the good seed... These are the sons of the kingdom, and the tares are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. And the harvest is in the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. So just as the tares are gathered up and burned with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. Okay? So, I've ruled out a profession of faith. I've ruled out baptism as a mark of true saving faith. I've gotten rid of the fact that you're in a true church. That, that's saving faith. Okay? Well then, perhaps, it is the conviction of sin. All of us, when we have sin, have felt bad about it. And we are convicted. The Holy Spirit, at the time of our salvation... Uh, convicted us that we were sinners without God, enemies to Christ. Well, sorry. Hate to keep raining on everybody's parade. Chapter 27 of the Gospel of Matthew, verses 3 to 5.
Then when Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that he had been condemned, he felt remorse and he returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. But they said, what is that to us? See to that yourself. And he threw the pieces of silver into the temple sanctuary and departed. And he went away and he hanged himself. So, I guess the conviction of sin doesn't necessarily mean you are of the faith. How about believing the gospel? I believe the gospel, therefore I must be saved, correct? No. Chapter 8 of the Gospel of John, verse 31. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciples. Believing in it is one thing. Continuing in it is completely different. All right, I also have one that I kind of touched on last week, but I want to kind of get it a little bigger. I want to show you something because most of the things that I've read off, saying a prayer, walking an aisle, being baptized, being morally correct, taking care of myself, reading, doing a Bible study or these other things, that means I must be saved. Well, no. Knowing the facts of the gospel. Let me give you one that we don't pay attention to. It comes out of James chapter 2, verse 19. You believe that God is one. You do well. The demons also believe and shudder. None of these things that I've been given to you saves anyone. Even the demons believe. Think about that, people. The fallen angels believe. I want you to ask yourself a question. When it comes to the knowledge of theology, who's got a better understanding of the reality of the spiritual realm? You or a fallen angel? Fallen angels were there at the creation event. So when it comes to spiritual reality, you're not even going to hold a light to them. We must think about this. Fallen angels have a knowledge way more than any human. They are completely convinced of truth. Completely convinced of what they know. Okay? But let me show you something. Feeling guilty? If you go to back to Matthew's gospel, speaking of fallen angels, chapter 8, verse 29. And they cried out, Jesus cast out a demon, all right? Remember the guy in Gadarenes? And he cast the demon, we are many, and he put him into the pigs, and the pigs jumped into the Sea of Galilee, all right? Here's what they said. And they cried out saying, what business do we have with each other, son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? You know why? They were terrified of God's judgment. What about an overwhelming sense of guilt? 
I mean, overwhelming. Well, it's not a sign of true salvation, true faith. Luke's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 31. They were imploring Him not to command them to go away to the abyss. Again, this is the demonic host who have a very good understanding of spiritual reality. They know they deserve to be sent to the abyss. Alright, back to the demons again. What if they're even deeply involved in religious activities? Well, in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 17, it says that that, when they, when they were talking about going into the land, this Deuteronomy is the second law, they're getting ready to go into the land, he says you gotta run them all out. Why? They sacrifice to idols. Okay? The religiously active then in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 20 and 21, anytime there's a false religion, they're offering offerings to a demon. False religion is demonic based. Did you know that? I don't care what the religion is. It doesn't matter. I don't care what name you hang on it. And if it's not truth, then it's an error. And if it's an error, it's from the father of lies. You know, one of the things that is amazing to me, I go through these things and, you know, it's, it's a little frustrating because I have watched a lot of people who have done exactly what I'm going through, claiming that's why they're saved. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, Verse 24. What about if I have a knowledge of the total superiority of Jesus Christ? Okay. I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, God incarnate. Is that a mark of faith? True saving faith? Well, in Mark's Gospel, chapter 1... Verse 24, there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit and he cried out saying, what business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. The demons understand who Jesus is. Yet, even with all of the knowledge of a fallen angel, they are utterly and eternally lost. Okay? Well, we know they're demons. So, we understand that. Good. Because I want to tell you something. And it's the same way with people. Shall I prove it? Because see, it's easy for us to jettison and say, well, dude, I'm not a demon. Okay? So, so that doesn't even apply to me. 
And you said it. They got more spiritual reality than me. Hey, I'm living in the dark. Well, let us begin. Romans chapter 1, verse 21. For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks. And But they became futile in their speculations and their foolish hearts was darkened. See, you can acknowledge the spiritual things. And that is not saving faith. It's not saving faith. You can believe the truth. John's Gospel, chapter 2, 23 through 25. And now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name, observing his signs, which he was doing. But Jesus on his part was not entrusting himself to them, for he knew all men. And because he did not need anyone to testify concerning him, for he himself knew what was in man. They believe truth. But they don't remain with it. Perhaps, true saving faith is the fear of God's judgment. Perhaps, perhaps not. The book of Revelations, chapter 6, 15 and following. Then the kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us, hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of the wrath has come. Who is able to stand? Revelations 9, 20 and 21. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands so as not to worship demons and idols of gold and of silver and of brass and of stone and of wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their immorality, nor of their thefts. Okay? I'll continue. What about guilt? If I feel guilty, what do you think? Acts 24, verse 25. Felix, questioning the Apostle Paul. Why? His guilt made him afraid. Acts 24, 25. Perhaps true saving faith is a desire to have eternal life. Most people, if you ask them, why are they saved? They will tell you to go to heaven. Okay, I've already showed you that that's flawed. But let me show you something else. Matthew of God, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 19, verse 16. And someone came to him and said, Teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? 
Okay? Verse 22. And when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. You know what Jesus told him to do? What one good thing? Sell everything, give it to the poor. Follow me. What about the people who are outwardly religious? Those are the ones that I say speak fluent Christianese. Okay? Even know the impact of that. Then read Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 20. Speaking of the scribes and Pharisees. They were outwardly religious. And uh, Jesus always had choice words for them, did he not? For I say to you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Hmm. What if I finally come to the realization that what I need to do is just affirm the superiority of Christ? Now, I know that the angels did, and they weren't saved, but as a man, if I do it, what would happen? Well, I thought you would never ask. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 21, verse 9. Hosanna, Hosanna to David in the highest. That was Sunday. They affirmed his superiority. Chapter 27. Now it's Friday. Crucify him. Crucify him. The same people who called him Messiah are the same ones who said crucify him. Okay. Have I got my point across yet? So how do I know that I have saving faith? How do I examine myself and say I have saving faith? This will redeem me. How do I know? Second Corinthians 13. Verse 6. But I trust that you will realize that we ourselves do not fail the test. Listen, even with this knowledge that I just showed you of people who have a superiority of Christ, that believe the gospel, that believe in truth, even with all that knowledge, they hang out in church, they're morally upright, they, they speak with grace, even with all of that. They all die in their sins. Now, I don't know about you guys. That should scare the bejesus out of some of us. Listen, there are some key marks of saving faith. The faith that does save. And you can spot it. But that's next week. <laughs> I know you ain't saved dude <laughs> we'll get into it next week I love you Father thank you for your word 
Thank you for clearing up some of the stuff that has deceived us for decades. Father, may we understand that we can look at Paul and see saving faith. Help us, Lord. Help us to realize that when he says, the things you have seen in me do these things, is not a suggestion. To you, my Lord and my Savior, in Christ's name, amen.